Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. The Guardian. Hello and welcome to Brexit Means, The Guardian's weekly look at what taking back control entails in practice. This week, we're having one of our more in-depth looks at a sector of the economy that oughtn't to be too affected by leaving the EU, but has found itself in the eye of the storm. If anything, healthcare was meant to be a major beneficiary of leaving, at least if you believe the £350 million a week claim on the side of that bus. But our hospitals and care homes are also kept afloat with an army of EU workers, many of whom are feeling increasingly gloomy about their long-term future here. It's a big subject and I'm sure our listeners want to hear about life on the front line. But before our ward round, I thought it was worth taking a second to look at the policy backdrop. If you only half listened to the government, you'd think it was all going to be fine. Both Theresa May and David Davis have said they want to keep existing EU nationals working here and then have a system for allowing in new skilled immigrants. But the first promise depends on a far from certain divorce agreement with the rest of the EU. And the second is in direct contradiction with the continued promises to slash total migration. Then there are the numbers. According to the Health and Social Care Information Centre, 55,000 of the NHS's 1.3 million strong workforce and 80,000 of the 1.3 million workers in the adult social care sector come from other EU countries. With me to discuss what Brexit means for the NHS and healthcare more generally are two proper experts, Janet Davis, who is Chief Executive and General Secretary of the Royal College of Nursing, and Sarah Johnson, a journalist on our health team here at The Guardian, who writes and commissions specifically for our Healthcare Professionals Network. So, Janet, the RCN, it's the world's largest nursing union and professional body. You represent more than 435,000 nurses, midwives, healthcare assistants, nursing students. What are you seeing? How, how bad is the recruitment shortage and what happens next? Yeah, it's, it's looking pretty bleak at the moment. We've got um, thousands, tens of thousands of vacancies across the UK for nurses. Uh, we haven't got enough student nurses qualifying because we haven't trained enough over the years. And we have been dependent on immigration. Well, actually, the NHS has always been slightly dependent on immigration, but particularly recently, uh, we've been very dependent on the European market and the nurses who've trained in other countries of Europe coming to work with us in the NHS and actually in care homes and the independent sector too. And what we are finding now is that certainly European trained nurses are not applying to come to the UK. They're not applying to join the register, which is where we see it, and an increasing number, in fact, a significant number, have already left the register, certainly in the last year. So what we're finding is that nurses are voting with their feet. I mean, they just don't want to wait for that security. 
Because nursing, it's not just a job. They come here for a career. Many of them want to settle here. And whilst there's that uncertainty, then many of our European colleagues are deciding, actually, they don't want to really stay and see what happens. They want to be absolutely sure of their future. So we are seeing a real exodus of our European nurses, which are leaving big holes in our workforce. Uh, and, and you did a big survey, I think, in September on staff shortages. What, what were your members telling you about what it means in practice for, for patients, for their working conditions? What are, the, what are the ramifications of this? Well, what happens is that if we haven't got enough nurses to care for people, both in communities, in hospitals and, and other areas, is that the care is left undone. So over 50% of 30,000 of the nurses who spoke to us um, are saying that they go home often demoralised because they haven't been able to do the work that they know they should as a nurse. That really affects patient safety if things aren't done. Sometimes it seems like the added extras, such as having time to sit and talk to someone, um, listening to their stories, holding their hand, reassuring them, the things that are so important for nursing. But actually, that isn't the added extras. That's when you find out what's happening with people, if they're becoming unwell or there's something that they've not told us before that we need to treat. And, And so it's actually very dangerous not to have that time to spend with people, as well as just things like you know, hygiene issues and things that are so fundamental, some of those get left with just the life-saving work happens. And of course, in communities, you know, it's absolutely dependent on that nurse coming to visit you at home. If you don't get that, you end up critically ill and end up in A&E. And we all know that there's horrendous pressures in our A&Es at the moment. So I want to come back a bit to some of those things you touched on there about the long-term causes of this. But uh, just wanted to turn to Sarah. You recently wrote a big piece about staff burnout in the NHS. How stretched do you think healthcare professionals are feeling? And what's the the emotional toll, particularly, say, on EU workers who, you know, already wondering whether they're actually welcome here? I mean, what what are you hearing from our, our readers who work in this industry? I think, first of all, the whole situation around Brexit in the NHS is defined by uncertainty and a lack of clarity. So it's already an extra thing to think about on top of everything else. So from our readers, it's a constant barrage of things that are going wrong, they're overstretched, they feel undervalued, they feel unsupported by management, they think the leaders of healthcare in this country have forgotten them or if they haven't they don't care and this is happening to perhaps the most compassionate professionals in the UK and you know they're having to deal with patient care every day and of course they are trying their best and of course they love their job but with all this and with everything else the existing recruitment problems it's getting too much to bear and I've been feeling this for the last couple of years that things are really ramping up. Mm. I was looking back at some of the things you've been writing and you did a piece about a year ago I think that was a call out to our readers after the referendum asking them what they thought Brexit might mean in in the healthcare world. Did did they come up with some of these concerns then? Are these are these new concerns or are these things that should have been obvious for some time? I mean what what were people saying back then? I think after the referendum, there was a real sense of betrayal among not just the EU staff, but among the NHS staff in general. I think a lot of the EU workers, they wrote in and were asking, why has this happened? They've dedicated their lives and their jobs to helping the UK public at their most vulnerable. And for them, for the public then to say, oh, actually, 
we don't want you must it must have been an emotional blow and I think it was and that's what came through from the many that got in touch but yeah I mean among the UK NHS professionals as a whole yeah just this lack of certainty I mean it's really difficult to continue to deliver excellent patient care and do their job to their utmost with what's going to happen hanging over them. And is that what you're hearing from your members too? What, what is what, what is your advice to members who find themselves in this position? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're talking to our um, members and trying to reassure them. We want to keep our European nurses. They're fantastic. You know, they're really well qualified. They've had ex- brilliant experience, brilliant education. And uh, they're giving so much to our NHS and our social care services. But we're trying to reassure them. We're trying to say that, that you will be able to stay, but actually we've not got the certainty either. So, you know, we, it's difficult because we're trying to reassure them and say how much we want them. We're trying to praise them. And I think employers are doing the same. Um, but it's hard because actually we're as uncertain as everyone else. And of course, we don't always help with things like this. So sort of saying, oh, it's a cliff edge, which we are saying because it's true. So whilst we're trying to push the government into making some commitment you don't want to scare them at the we're same also time, scaring right? our nurses yeah. so it is it is a hard balance for us really but um you know they are so important to us mm. and uh, we really don't want to lose them from our workforce they they're great colleagues and you were telling me as we sat down that you've got you wear a couple of european wide hats yes, in the yes. uh, 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 tell me about that and, and particularly you know how competitive is the international landscape for recruiting nurses it's presumably a very portable qualification absolutely i mean across europe of course it's very different because um, we spent many years um getting a directive which actually legislates the level of education a nurse has to have and the sort of experience they have to have which means that it's equivalent across the whole of europe which really enables people to move freely that's the whole point of it but what it has done is lifted the level of education in some areas and actually it it helps us um, with some of the attacks we sometimes have on the level of education of nurses to make sure that our patients are safe and getting good care across Europe it's been it's been really very very helpful in terms of both British nurses working across Europe and European colleagues coming to us. Um, but it's a huge competitive market. Everybody's short of nurses. It's a global shortage of, of, of nurses because obviously we're living longer all across the world, you know, including the developing world. Healthcare is getting better. And um, therefore, people are living longer with more complex conditions. And these are the sort of areas where nurses really come into their own. So there is a choice. Every nurse has a choice of where they might want to work all across the world. Uh, we always see movement towards, um, from Britain in particular, because of the language issues. Um, we see lots of um, our nurses moving to Australia, New Zealand, to the States. But that's the same for all our colleagues. And in fact, we did some work with our European organisations, our sister organisations across Europe, to see where that flow was. And, um, you know, we're very arrogant in the UK. We always think they want to come here. Actually, we're not the number one. Uh, The number one across Europe for places to work was Germany. So... um, you know, I think we can sometimes think that, oh, yeah, everyone wants to come and work in the NHS, actually. No, there are health services better than ours, and um, it's not always the number one. So it's really desperate for us that we still continue to attract people from around the world. And how have we, how's this shortfall come about, quite apart from the sort of extra demand that you talked about an ageing population and so forth? But, I mean, has there been a, a lack of planning, do you think, on the training side? Uh, is is pay a big factor? Are we not paying people enough? Or, or have we just sort of used EU workers as a sort of crutch to not solve 
problems with domestic training? I mean, how would you, yeah, so with hindsight, it, look at it? It's a combination of all of them, really. So the first thing is we've been very woeful. It's been terrible workforce planning for nurses for as long as I can remember. And uh, the reason for that is that the way that the workforce plans have always been developed is by those employers of nurses saying how many nurses they'll need in the next three, four years, and then the training places are commissioned. And, of course, what they've tended to do is to talk, is to actually identify the number of nurses they think they can afford in three or four years, which is never going to be enough um, for the healthcare that's required. On top of that, and, of course, the, 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 the focus on the, on the money is always a big problem in our NHS on top of that, um, we've also got the fact that there's never really taken account of the wider health care service. So it's OK to do that for the NHS. And then they add some. But actually, we've got a growing number of care homes as we get older, growing number of nursing homes that require qualified nurses. We've got the independent sector. And we've also got um, places such as I always think the people that are forgotten are those occupational health nurses who might work on a building site or in different organisations. They all require registered nurses, and that has never been, there's never been a really good um, approach to workforce planning. So we've always ended up short of nurses. Mm. Occasionally we have too many, but we don't really have too many. We have, the, when that appears to be too many, it's because the NHS is in such dire financial straits, they're not recruiting and they're holding vacancies. Uh, and that's such a terrible sort of yo yo approach that we've always had. So that's the nub of it. And then we have always had a supplement from different parts of the world ever since the nhs started from different places it was originally of course it was from the commonwealth and now it's europe but actually what the, the there's a, a panic that occurs when suddenly we're very very short of nurses when we have these mad rushes to go overseas to the philippines to europe to actively bring people in from other countries because we failed in our workforce planning but just to play devil's advocate for a moment and and this might be a bit provocative but i'm sure you'll take it in the right sense you you're both a professional body and a a union we are Uh, and so wearing your sort of union hat uh, is this is there an element of this that could actually be quite helpful in helping people recognize the importance of the profession and perhaps help drive up wages i mean is this is this a way that's going to force the uk to think more seriously about paying nurses probably yeah i mean pay is one of the elements and of course we've got uh, as a trade union and actually as a professional body because actually there's not that much difference in safe staffing is so important it's what enables us to get good care and it's what enables us to survive and get get a safe health service so i think you know from whichever hat i'm wearing that the, the message is the same really we need to retain our very good um qualified nurses as well as attract more and one of those issues is pay I mean, the value of our health service and the value of our professions, I don't think is really seen. Everyone says really nice things about nursing. You know, they're the most trusted profession and everyone thinks they're great, but nobody's willing to pay more taxes to pay their wages. The health service, I think, is incredibly underfunded at the moment. And there needs to be a serious conversation away from party politics on how much we're willing to pay for a good world-class health service otherwise we keep staggering on like this and of course one of the main things is who provides that health care and how much are we willing to pay them it's terrible that it comes to a, a a critical condition where we're losing our nurses before those decisions are made and i think we need to have much more proactive approach to how we fund rather than staggering from one crisis to the other i suppose that's what i meant really to flip the question round that some brexiteers would say actually this is what one of the reasons they voted leave is because they wanted employers 
all employers to think more carefully about long-term staff retention and not just rely on an endless supply of being able to sort of import our way out of recruitment problems. And I just wonder whether, you th- or the, despite everything we've said about these being hugely important parts of our of our NHS today, that, the, uh, that, that some of these workers have allowed the government of the day to neglect long-term retention in the industry it's i mean it's an interesting approach i mean i don't know whether it's brexit related because it's it's certainly immigration related because um we have always always recruited people from overseas um number one probably the philippines um in the previous in the past in the 60s from um certainly from the caribbean um we've always had recruitment crises in nursing and we go out and try and bring people in from uh, other countries that have got nurses um ireland is consistent we um all through the history of the nhs we've recruited nurses from ireland um so it is actually about immigration more than brexit it's more about it's more than europe um and you know already we can see our health service looking beyond europe for their recruitment so there is a focus on other countries um actually who can ill afford to lose nurses um, and that's where the focus goes so i don't think um, that losing our European nurses will prevent immigration into the health service. Mm. I think we will still be very much looking at uh, boosting our workforce with people. And, of course, in a lot of ways, it's really positive. They bring very different experience and they bring maturity and sharing those ideas and getting those different experiences is very positive, I think, for our for our healthcare. So we would always want some movement of professionals around countries to do that but certainly not in the dependent way that we are currently doing so and dealing presumably with a much more diverse population these days right i mean you know you want a diverse workforce to reflect the fact your patients from absolutely yes i mean i think you know i think people sometimes when they think about nursing and health professionals they go back to some of those old films of the 40s and 50s uh, when the population was different and healthcare was very different Uh, we need a workforce that actually reflects the population but also you know reflects the changing need of healthcare delivery Mm. so I wanted to turn to this broader question of of funding um and uh, sarah you jump in as well because i think this is a this is more than just a nursing question but a sort of a political question about brexit and the nhs um and i, I wanted to read you something that um simon stevens who, who's the chief executive of nhs england is due to say later today in a in a speech and i think it's the first time i've certainly seen anybody senior within the nhs drawing a very specific um reference to brexit in the in the debate about NHS funding and he's he's due to say in the speech the NHS wasn't on the ballot paper but it was on the battle bus and it's a very interesting and provocative reference to this 350 million pounds a week figure that um, uh, the leave campaign famously put on the side of the bus now whether or not you think the 350 million pound figure was 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 true or, or fair from a Brexit perspective it did link the issue in voters minds and I wonder whether either of you think there is an extent to which um, uh, the Brexiteers owe the NHS in a way. You know, that there is a sort of, the, you know, part of the reason we voted for this is because we thought we were also bringing money back to invest in in, in, in healthcare. Do you think that's relevant or is this a, 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 a focusing too much just on a bus? So I think Simon Stevens, I think this is a political play, actually, um, because... All the top healthcare leaders are pushing for more money. And I think with the referendum and Brexit, their demands are 
not being heard. I think Brexit is taking centre stage. So I think Simon Stevens linking Brexit with more money for the NHS is a really clever move. Um, Cheeky? Cheeky, but he's got to do Mm. what he's got to do. And he needs more money. Um, If he didn't link it, I mean, I think this captures the attention of a lot of politicians who I think had put NHS and social care because that's also really important on the back burner in terms of finances Um, it will be interesting to see how people react to this Um, I think he was also clever in saying in not making explicit reference to the 350 million pounds a week I think it was. It was a hint rather than a Yeah it was a hint because I think that was unrealistic Um, but in in kind, he's kind of doing an emotional play uh, because you know everyone's voted for Brexit, and they did use the NHS as a major uh, cam- in, major thing in their campaign. So you know, if that if that helped win the vote, then maybe they should really think about you know prioritising the NHS and giving it more money. I mean, Janet, the, NH- the Brexit has sucked a lot of the oxygen out of the political room in the last few months has been almost nothing else in the headlines which is a un- unusual absence for for the nhs because it's normally at least at, at least every winter it's normally a massive political flashpoint i mean do you think that it's only a question of time before it comes back up the agenda um, um yeah i mean basically? i think we're getting i think we're getting a fair amount of coverage at the moment considering what's happening which actually is a sign of how difficult it is that there actually is something where our concerns are is that actually it's taking the mind of the Chancellor. So um, really, as this as we get close to a budget where we really need significant investment in the NHS, we certainly need a significant pay rise for our staff, particularly our nurses, of course, who we're campaigning for. And we're really concerned that the whole issue of, of Brexit and the negotiations and the money that's going to be required might be taking the Chancellor's eye off something that is really necessary in the NHS. And of course, Simon Stevens, in some ways, with what he's saying, is reflecting what our nurses are saying. It, actually, these words are spoken still. They're spoken by nurses, they're spoken in hospital wards. They will say, Where's our money? Um, it is something that people noticed, and it is something that actually many nurses who talk to us say that, you know, they thought that was a promise. And it did influence Fair the way enough, they voted. Really. I mean, it looked yeah. like one, didn't it? Yeah. 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 So I just wanted to turn finally to something else that's been um, worrying me, which is the broader anti-immigrant sentiment that Brexit arguably either unleashed or reflected, depending on your point of view. And I wonder the extent to which the NHS and nurses in particular find themselves on the front line of this. I mean, we're in the middle of very detailed negotiations about whether we will have reciprocal arrangement, healthcare arrangements with the EU, whether whether Brits abroad will, will continue to be able to have e-hit cards and walk into European hospitals and vice versa. But one doesn't have to imagine too hard the kind of scenario where we do leave without a deal where there is an acrimonious breakdown and suddenly hospitals uh, and nurses in particular are, are potentially on the front line of a very angry sort of state of affairs about 
quote unquote foreigners using our public services, which is seems to be simmering below the surface of a lot of the, the, the Brexit debate. I wondered what either of you two felt about that and whether you've had experience of your members already worrying about are, are there creeping pressures to sort of uh, are nurses required to sort of ask for residency proof or to or, or nationality proof when 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 granting care? And what, what's your experience? Of yeah, that? I mean, that is happening. Um, not for Europeans at the moment but there's two things really one is about the worry about having to do that when you're caring for people in a national health system um you know our system is free at the point of delivery and that's the way it's designed so it's really difficult to actually put a system in that checks that um and I know we compare it with other health systems but in other health systems it isn't free necessarily at the point of contact or they have their their particular cards and things. Um, So it is hard to actually do that in a system such as ours. Um, But it's also about those nurses themselves feeling unwelcome. And there have been, I mean, initially there was some really terrible stories that were heard from some nurses who, you know, were being asked, what are you doing here? Why are you still here? And um, I mean, I think a very strange thing to ask when someone's caring for you. But sadly, we do see that. Um, And it's, and it's, it's pretty shocking I think Um, but certainly that whole system that would have to be in place would need another amount of investment it's Mm. more people, different system so Kate might bring money in but it's certainly something that will be distracting NHS from providing the services it currently does Is this something you've picked up that our readers are concerned? Is this something that comes up in in what you're writing on the Professionals Network? Yeah, for sure, both in terms of healthcare staff being asked what they're doing in this country and when they're going to return home, which is completely bizarre, but also in terms of their job is not to police immigration, and they really feel that. I've heard anecdotally that there might be forms coming in that people have to fill out about their immigration status. But I mean, how, if you're on a busy A&E nurse, how are you meant to enforce that? Also, in terms of vulnerable people who need to access healthcare, asylum seekers and refugees, how's that going to affect their status? How's that going to affect their claims? I think it's just a big mess waiting to happen. Mm. So I suppose to to wrap up, what would you like to see the government do? I mean, if you work from the basis that we are leaving, um, we may or may not have some sort of divorce settlement um, and an agreement on how we leave. What's the best way of reassuring um, EU workers, do you think, about that how, how valued they are here and could we could you imagine for example Janet uh, um, um, a working skills based immigration system plugging this gap or do we need to be more embracing in terms of the, the, the rights that we offer workers here in order to continue attracting those numbers yeah I mean the first thing is that there needs to be an absolute guarantee that people who are working here in our NHS can stay that's the number one thing so we don't lose any more in terms of future immigration we will always need Um, nurses from outside the UK and we really need a consistent system of making it easier for nurses to come and work in this country the current system is expensive for nurses it's also quite difficult and of course all the measures that we seem to have in this country is based on earnings and salaries and a nurse is never going to reach 
that level of salary which enables people to come and work in this country. Now, obviously, there's two options to that. The one we prefer, obviously, is to pay nurses what is considered a professional salary by the immigration authorities. That would be a start, wouldn't it? That because, would be a, um, <laughs> obviously, that is one of the measures that proves that nursing actually perhaps isn't seen as professional as it is um, if, if nurses can't reach that level of, of you know that level of salary that's considered relevant for a professional who can come in this country but obviously the more likely one is that uh, we need to maintain nursing on the shortage list they're currently on there but it's only temporary it took a lot of um, lobbying for orders us to get nursing onto the shortage list um, and I think it's really important that we have an arrangement for nurses because they don't reach that threshold What sort of turnover are there among staff members both UK and the EU nationals? I mean, is it's, yeah, I mean it's always, there's always is a turnover and it's different in different places um, people move jobs they move with family they sometimes leave the um, NHS but actually we've reached a point this year which is very unusual and very significant and uh, the figures that have come from the Nursing and Midwifery Council so that's not ourselves that's the regulator of nursing who hold that register for the first time have seen more people leaving the register than joining the register and that's a really worrying trend if that start to, if that continues. Mm. Any final thoughts on what you'd like to see the government do to, to, to help reassure people working in this sector? I'd like to see them make some decisions. I'd like to see people that work for the NHS stay working for the NHS. I don't think we can afford to lose any more skilled professionals. And I'd like to see them really reassure staff and give them some clarity over what the future holds. Seems like a good note to leave it on. Thank you very much for both coming in. Please subscribe and review on all your favourite podcatchers and join the discussion on Twitter. Just search for Guardian Podcasts. If you want to get in touch, it's brexitpodcast at theguardian.com. Till next week, I've been Dan Roberts. The producer is Rowan Slaney. And this was Brexit Means. Thank you for listening. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.